This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. This is Peter and Tricia welcoming you today to Great News and God's Views, a half-hour weekly broadcast on Free FM 89.0, independent community media. We invite you to listen every Sunday for a presentation of historic Bible-based Christianity, highlighting preaching of the Word, classic songs, hymns and spiritual songs. We use only the King James Bible, the authorised version. We can be contacted by email at greatnews376 at gmail.com. That is greatnews376 at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Our worship theme today, Being in Christ offers a transformed life, both now and in eternity. Confident living an eternal life. John 20.31 summarises the purpose of biblical Christianity. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Believing in Jesus is affirmed and accepting him as Lord and Saviour. Believing in Jesus enables confident living and it ensures eternal life. We we'll read from John 20, beginning at verse 19. That is John chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. Then the same day at the evening, being in the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, when the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands on his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus unto them again, Peace be it unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst of them, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he unto Thomas, 
Reach thither my finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it in my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they which have not seen, and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Faith in Christ offers confident living. People who try to live in the world without Jesus as Lord and Saviour bring to mind two friends talking at a party. One said, I don't know who I am, what I'm doing or where I'm going. The other expressionless mumbled back, don't worry about it. Most New Zealanders are going through the same thing. Without identity, purpose and destiny, people live on the emotional, intellectual and spiritual edge. Biblical Christianity has always shared the good news of living triumphantly amidst the madness, misery and meanness of life in the world by discovering and experiencing identity, purpose and destiny through belief in Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Believing in Jesus has always been declared as a way to life, wholeness, happiness, joy and security. While Christians are not immune to the problems of this world, they overcome them. The ultimate victory of eternal life, permanent destiny, enables Christians to put common problems in perspective, temporary distraction. Faith in Christ offers eternal life. Biblical Christianity emphasizes belief in Jesus as guaranteeing the greatest desire of the humankind, eternal life. As it says in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That expectation is at the core of every believer's faith. It enabled David A. Redding to write, Anyone who feels sorry for a dead Christian, as though the poor chap were missing something, is himself missing the transfiguring promotion involved. I'll never forget my friend's grandfather's claim on this most fundamental tenet of Christianity. He called me from his hospital bed to say he was lying. He called him from his hospital bed to say he was dying. Living far away from at the time, my friend said he'd catch the next plane to see him. He calmly stated, that won't be necessary. When I die, you'll come back and preside at the memorial service. Then I'll see you later. Biblical Christianity promises existential, confident living and eternal heavenly benefits for all through belief in Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Our first music today on great news and God's views. Like a river glorious. When Francis Havergal was holidaying in the south of Wales in 1876, she caught a severe cold accompanied by inflammation of the lungs. Hearing how ill she was and that she might die, she replied, If I'm really going, it's too good to be true. Her friends were amazed at how peacefully she received this information. She did survive that illness. And later that year she wrote the hymn Like a River Glorious 
in which he pointed to the source of her perfect peace. Stayed upon Jehovah, hearts are fully blessed, finding, as he promised, perfect peace and rest. Like a river glorious. Oh, oh, oh. 
How do fish survive in Antarctic waters without freezing? The answer is that their blood plasma has lots of antifreeze protein that bind to ice and prevent the crystals from growing and thus causing damage. Some evolutionists claim that this is an example of evolution in action because new DNA code has been created that codes for the antifreeze protein. But does this really support molecules to man evolution? Antifreeze proteins are quite different from the complex, specific proteins found elsewhere in the fish or in our own bodies. They are simple proteins which may have arisen through the duplication of a digestive enzyme gene that lost its original function due to mutations scrambling it. Even though they fortuitously prevent ice crystals from growing, this is a very non-specific job that many different random proteins could perform. So, even though antifreeze proteins help fish survive, they don't explain how complex specific proteins could arise by mutations. To find out more from Creation Ministries International, visit our website, creation.com. You are listening to Great News and God's Views on Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. We continue with Great is Thy Faithfulness. The phrase Great is Thy Faithfulness comes from the Book of Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 23. Written in 1923 by Thomas Chisholm, the music composed by William Runyon, it became popular to be used in the Moody Bible Institute and Billy Graham in the mid-20th century. Great is thy faithfulness.
unlikely heroes. God is described in the Bible as being fond of using unlikely sources or people to accomplish his purpose. The selection of people that he uses to bring about his kingdom is foreign to us as human beings. Who would have thought the tiny family of Abraham would become the foundation of a mighty nation? Who could have guessed that the twelve rough-edged men would make disciples? When God does finally look to the trained religious leaders in the first century, he chooses Saul, later known as Paul. We begin at Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and decided of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou shalt do. While Saul had the credentials and training for being a spiritual leader in the fledgling church, he obviously lacked the desire. He was the least likely of the rabbis to be chosen to lead and formulate early Christian theology. But that seems to be the mode in which God operates, choosing unlikely sources to accomplish monumental purposes. Port of a vengeful enemy. In Acts 9-1-2, to to we see a description of Saul that is designed to communicate the great contrast between his former days and the days after his conversion. In these two verses, Saul is a threatening, murderous persecutor of the church. His persecution lacked any discretion in regard to women or men. He was posed as the ultimate weapon of hatred against the church. Even he would later describe himself as the chief of sinners. We do not know how the church responded to the personal approach Saul took in persecuting them. They certainly feared him, as in... Jo Acts 9.12-14 And has seen in a vision a man called Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to the saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on his name. One wonders if they obeyed Jesus and prayed for their persecutor. Jesus warned his followers during his lifetime that such persecution would come, and he informed them how to respond. They were to turn the other cheek and bless those that spitefully used them. Someone's prayer must have been sent up. It worked on behalf of Saul and the church. For the church would not only lose a persecutor, but also gain a leader. Saul would not only be changed from the hateful disposition he had created, he would also have eternal life. The inbreaking of God. Our human understanding would simply write Saul off as a bad apple or call for his demise. God breaks into human history to turn the situation round. On his route to sow more evil, a light suddenly flashes round him. Paul was not searching for a theophany, he was taking care of what he thought was a heretical sect. 
This light was more than a brightness, for a power was present that knocked the rabbi to the ground. No doubt fearful and confused, he now faces a greater authority than that of the high priest who sealed his journey with papers. From the powerful source of light that demands Saul's immediate reverence and subjection comes a question that hardly seems appropriate to one of such authority. Saul, Saul, why dost thou persecute me? Saul has no alternative but to recognise this person as the Lord. But the Lord asks Saul why he's persecuting him. How could a human effect such a mighty power as this Lord? Saul was unaware of Jesus' teaching during his lifetime that to harm one of the least among his followers was to bring harm to him. In all his religious intentions to service God, he had lost the perspective that his devotion would ultimately bear fruit in the way that he treated God's children. To persecute believers was to persecute the one in whom they believed. An imperative to follow. God's activity is always purposeful. Saul's conversion was not something that was done to become a novelty among residents of the area of Damascus. God had a purpose for Saul. He was a man of destiny. It would have been hard to see it immediately, but Saul was going to fulfil that destiny. A blinded enemy that was murdering saints, to see such a sight may have made some think justice had been served. But God had a purpose in the blinding of this creature. He had a destiny for this man that was so large that it would take his help to accomplish it. In Saul's humbled and weakened state, he could only obey and find the Lord worked on the other side of the equation, preparing faith in one of his servants to bring healing, salvation and fullness to this avowed hater of the church. Saul's own life would demonstrate not only leadership in the church, but also suffering for her under the band of others like himself. He ultimately would give his life in a manner like the lives he took. God chose Saul for a purpose to serve in leadership and to die in courage for a faith he once thought heretical. God works that way, choosing unlikely sources, unlikely sources like us. We continue with The Old Ragged Cross, written by George Bernard, an American Methodist evangelist in 1913. It has been performed by many of the 20th century's most important recording artists. The Old Ragged Cross.
Thank you for joining us today for great news and God's views on Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. 89.0 is live streamed from freefm.org.nz or tune in and now on Amazon Echo devices using the Free FM 89 Alexa skill. We would love to hear your comments on this show. We can be contacted by email at greatnews376 at gmail.com. That is greatnews376 at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.